This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. On Saturday, it will be precisely two years, February the 24th, since Vladimir Putin and the Russian army invaded Ukraine. It was expected to be a quick and easy victory, and the estimates at the time by the Russians were that it would only take a week or two, or maybe even less. It's turned into a long, attritional war, and it continues. But it appears that the Russians are gaining the upper hand in a big way, and this week has seen them claim control of a city called Adivika, which is one of the big cities in eastern Ukraine, and it's been claimed as a massive and significant victory for Putin against uh, Ukraine, who, it does appear, is losing out on all fronts in terms of support from the West and in terms of ammunition and, indeed, uh, of soldiers. The average age of soldiers in the Ukrainian army is 43, which I found to be extraordinary and surprising to discuss this now. It's a pleasure to welcome to the stand uh, Senator Tom Clonan. He was elected to the Senate, Tom, in 20, March 2022. He's a security analyst. He was an Irish army captain. He did great work as a whistleblower and an investigator of bullying in the army, which resulted in great commendations in the end, having met serious resistance. And it's great now that he's in the Irish Senate. And of course, Tom served with the UN, uh, commanding Irish soldiers in the Lebanon, which is very much part of the conflict uh, between Israel and Hamas as we speak. But we're going to talk today about this second anniversary of Russia and Ukraine uh, Tom, you're very welcome to the stand, and thank you very much for joining us. It was, I'm right in saying, isn't expected to last a very short time because there had been a huge build-up on the borders of Ukraine for weeks and maybe months of Russian soldiers. They're expected to sweep in, take Kiev, and have a you know a, a very secure situation. It didn't turn out like that, but it's not turning out great now for Ukraine. It seems. Yeah, it's been um, an extraordinary few years. To think that 
two years into this invasion by Putin, that it's still raging on. And it's a front uh, mostly in the Donetsk and Luhansk area, eastern uh, Ukraine, of 1,000 kilometers of yes. trenches and trenches dug in depth and defensive obstacles, a bit like, not not unlike uh, elements of World War One. Um, but to kind of recap, to kind of give a really quick potted history, um, Putin decides to invade um, Ukraine, population of 40 million people, and he assembles a force on the borders with Ukraine of about 120,000 combat troops, which mm. is quite a small invasion force. Right. And then he splits that. He sends half of them through Belarus, um, from the northern borders of, of Russia and Belarus down towards Kiev. So they strike at the capital city and their intention is to decapitate the regime, take out Zelensky and install a puppet uh, regime. Yes. And at the same time that they advanced down the highway from the Belarus border towards Kiev, they also took tried to take over the airport in Kiev with um, special forces and, and sent actually got detachments of special forces to the presidential palace where Zelensky and his family were believed to be. Um, and then they also invaded south and east um, with the remainder of their forces. So these were the actions of Putin who believed that Ukraine would just completely collapse. And that's not what happened. Um, famously, I think... Um, uh, the, the the U.S. administration contacted Zelensky in the early hours of the invasion and offered him um, air, airlift with his family to evacuate them by air from Kiev. And famously, he said, "I don't need a ride; I need ammunition." Yes. So they the, the next phase of the war. I suppose you could characterize the first year of the war as being quite surprising in terms of Ukraine's capacity to defend itself and then to go on the offensive. So you had the heroic defense of Kiev. Yes. And then, which, and, and, and that really now famous Russian armored column that was something like 30 or 40 kilometers long that was repeatedly ambushed and destroyed in detail. Yes. In later on that summer and into the uh, autumn, you had um, the rapid retaking of very large parts of Kharkiv, and Kharkiv Oblast by light infantry, highly mobile light infantry and armor, and then culminating with, I suppose, Zelensky's biggest victory to date, which in, in November of 22, the recapturing of Kherson, the, the only regional yes. capital that's been retaken. So last year, 2023, myself included, when Ukraine was re-equipped with a whole fleet of NATO standard main battle tanks, the Leopard 2 and Leopard, Leopard variation of tanks and the UK Challenger tanks and the promise of United States Mike 1A1 Abrams main battle tanks, along with air defense systems, Patriot missiles, multi-launch rocket systems, like people like myself this time last year were confidently predicting that um, Zelensky's forces after those victories in, in September and November of 22 that they would really take the initiative and push the Russians back but that summer offensive never really materialised this year the, 
they did achieve one thing. They did manage to get across the Dnipro River down uh, southeast of Kherson and establish a bridgehead towards Zaporizhia. Uh, if you recall, that was around the time that um, the, the Russians flooded a huge part of that area yes. to try and restrict and, and inhibit um, the freedom of movement of, of Ukrainian troops. So they managed to establish that bridgehead and they still hold it uh, despite fierce Russian opposition and counterattacks. And if they were ever able to reorganize sufficiently, that, that holds with it the promise of a strike towards Zaporizhia and Melitopol, which, which could cut off the land corridor that Putin has achieved between um, Russia proper and the Crimean Peninsula. But of course, this week, um, tragically, and um, the, the big story is that um, yes. Russian troops have entered the center of Avdvika and uh, Ukrainian forces have withdrawn from there. And that's that's a, a symbolic defeat, you know, almost on the two year um, anniversary. So that gives Putin, I suppose, something to, to say in the Kremlin prior to his presidential elections in March. Yes. And Ukraine has other very serious problems. The Congress in the United States, the Senate have passed a Biden initiative to supply more money, but uh, the House of Representatives, which is controlled by Republicans who are in turn controlled by Donald Trump, have gone on holiday for two weeks and have not, have voted not to send the money to Ukraine. And Trump appears to have these guys and girls under control. And things are now looking, and even at the European Security Conference in Munich at the weekend, support for Ukraine is waning. It's patchy. They haven't, it appears, got the weaponry to really fight back, uh, as things appear to be at the moment. And they're losing allies, it seems, rather than gaining them. Is that your take on it? Tom, or I, am I misreading it? I think this is a, a crisis point for for the European Union, for NATO, yes. and for the transatlantic alliance. And yes, so to begin with the shortage of ammunition, the the Ukrainian military have stated that shortages of artillery ammunition, basically one five five millimeter artillery rounds that that was one of the reasons why they had to pull back and withdraw from Avdivka. And they say that they did so because it was being encircled. Yeah. And in the last couple of weeks, there were intelligence reports that the Russians had concentrated a force of about 40,000 conscripted combat troops backed up with regular Russian military units and that they were going to attempt to flood Avdivka and encircle it or surround it. And I think what the Ukrainians had been doing was just trying to suppress these human wave, what they call meat grinder tactics by the, the massed concentration of artillery. So the, the, the Ukrainians benefited from being supplied with hundreds and hundreds of um, NATO standard 155 millimeter self-propelled and static um howitzer or artillery systems. And they're designed really to deny ground and to suppress enemy maneuver. And each artillery round, you know, can 
when when they fire them on a bearing and an elevation using you know artificial intelligence enhanced uh, targeting programs they they can deny entire an entire front of movement of enemy they can put in harassment and interdiction and suppressing fire they can fire converge range and lateral spread and they can take out literally hundreds and hundreds of enemy troops moving forward but and that's what was keeping the russians at bay forgive me for using that language in and around yeah. um Av- avdivka but with the delay on the aid package from the United States, which is their principal supplier of armaments, and with the delays caused by Viktor Orban with the European Union, which thankfully uh, for Ukraine was overcome, um, they've had to ration their ammunition. So you could also actually see this in, in other theatres of the war and with other weapon systems. So when the United States supplied the Ukrainians with Patriot anti-missile systems, all last summer, if you recall, and into the autumn, you had these periods where Putin would order massed drone and cruise missile and yes. ballistic missile attacks on cities like Kiev, even Lviv, Odessa, Kharkiv. And for the most part, with the anti-missile systems that were provided by the United States and other NATO allies, they were able to intercept the vast majority of those missiles and drones. But unfortunately, because of the break being put on support, I would hope temporarily, um, the massed missile and cruise missile attacks that we saw in December and January on Kharkiv and Kiev, the Ukrainians were only able to stop about 50% of those projectiles. And it has resulted in a spike in civilian deaths, um, tragically. Um, so I, I think this is a a crisis point for for NATO and the European Union because if if they don't get resupplied Russia will break through and will punch other holes yes uh, particularly in Donetsk that seems to be their their center of gravity of operations and um, moving towards Marinka Kupiansk the Russians will try to get a bigger foothold or a salient in through the um, Ukrainian uh, defences. But there's a couple of things I'd say about that in terms of limitations. Like, I don't think the war is lost by any means. Um, So I think for Russia to continue these meat grinder tactics and these massed wave, massive concentrations of infantry, they're going to have to widen their mobilisation. Yes. Um, And... Putin hasn't done that yet. He hasn't declared war. It's still what he terms a special military operation. But they are coming to an inflection point because I understand that the prisons now are almost emptied of um, people who would be of military use to them, to to use that expression loosely. So there's a crisis there. The, the, The Russians... It is estimated, have, and I've looked at all the various estimates, Russian statements and the various different reporting NGOs. It's believed that the Russians have killed in action, have had killed in action, approximately 100,000 troops. That's an extraordinary figure. Yes. With, with as many as 200,000 seriously injured. The Ukrainians, they don't release their casualty figures, but it's believed that they may have lost 50,000 killed in action. And as you referred to earlier, they're now... Uh, remobilizing and widening the mobilization to include males, Ukrainian males between the ages of 27 and 60. 
Uh, and as you referred to earlier, the average age of Ukrainian forces being 43. So there's, you know, there's a bit of a pinch point here. Um, and for the Ukrainians to, to hold the Russians, um, they will need that support from Washington. There's no doubt about it. And they will need continued and renewed support from Europe. And uh, as we approach what might be a countdown to a Trump presidency, a presidential candidate who has said at rallies that he would allow Vladimir Putin to do whatever he wanted to do in Europe. Yes. This is a bit of a an inflection point, but it, the war isn't lost by any means. Um, I think the challenges to Putin are still significant, but the, 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 the Ukrainians will need the, the, that support redoubled. Yeah, the trend isn't good, is it? And it's certainly a dramatic change from the optimism you spoke of, Tom, that last summer Ukraine would launch a successful counterattack that never materialized. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The other, I suppose, huge factor in all of this is the morale of your, you've been a soldier, the morale of the men in the field when they get to learn, for example, that the American arms and money isn't coming, when they see across Europe division about Ukraine, some European countries not really caring too much, and a more general weakening of the staunch expressions of support for Ukraine. Much, that People were saying things that Russia and Putin must not be allowed to win this because we don't know where he'll stop. Those expressions are rarer and rarer now. And there was at the security conference in Munich at the weekend a distinct feeling that America, and Trump spelt it out last week, and you just referred to it, 
Tom. Trump said that Putin can do whatever the hell he wants because a lot of the European NATO members were delinquent for not paying their 2% of GDP, which is the entrance fee, as it were, for NATO. Now, to be fair, I don't say to be fair to Trump, but Germany, a very wealthy nation for a long time, never met its 2%. Mm. Um, Angela Merkel, even, in her time, they never did that. So Trump has something to cling on to there, but it, the, the more underlying political reality is that Ukraine does not enjoy the support it did once. And that includes weaponry and money and, indeed, expressions of continued solidarity. I think a couple of things have happened, unfortunately. Like, tragically, you have the appalling um, invasion and occupation of of Gaza by the uh, Israeli Defence Forces at at, um, Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, insistence. And we, we, we we may see... Um, a final assault on Rafah, which is the final refuge yes. for approximately 1.6 million Palestinians trapped there, right up against the Egyptian border, and that has taken some of the focus, the focus of the international community and the European community away from Ukraine. They've become distracted by this. Um, the United States, in its support for Israel, has begun to deploy uh, some of its strategic stockpile particularly those kind of dumb munitions and um, the mass produced what are called not you know dumb or they're not smart munitions that the Ukrainians so badly need are being supplied to the Israeli military in very very large numbers um however i do think that the setback at Av- avdivka um putin's um i don't want to use the word victory but his success there I think will concentrate minds. And I think with the assassination of Alexei Navalny in advance of the um, Russian presidential elections, I think for Trump, Putin is going to become a, a less attractive talking point on the campaign trail. Because I think he, even even the people who support Trump, yes. I think e- even they will, will recognize that... Uh, Putin's leadership and, and, and the lengths at which he's prepared. I mean, he's really outed himself as an old-fashioned, um, I don't want to say Stalinist because of the, just the sheer numbers that Stalin murdered. But, you know, he's, it, Putin, it's quite clear he's prepared to kill um, all of his enemies, whether it be yeah. Prigozhin, Navalny. And he, he is becoming a, a greater threat um, to the United States and its interests, not and just to in, other Baltic nations. Yes, and really, I mean, there's no doubt that Putin does have this grand design to expand Russia's borders right up to Romania, Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, right up to Finland, so that he he has a border between the Russian Federation and yes. NATO that stretches from the Baltic right up to the Arctic Circle. That would appear to be the doctrine, and they're pursuing that proactively. But in response to that, and at the Munich conference there, it was Europeans were described by some of the commentators as being fearful and anxious to prepare for what might come next. Yes. And for that, I read, the, the shorthand for that for me is that um, the European Union and its NATO member states 
will increase their spending on defence now because they're going to see um, a requirement for a collective uh, deterrence and a collective defence. I think that would be most usefully located within the structures of NATO because the European Union doesn't have um, military structures evolved to the same extent. A senior Belgian politician suggested that the European Union needs an army. Well, they certainly need a collective, coherent um, deterrence, and and they have that in NATO. Yes, and like that, those pre-existing structures are there. And, right. You know, while while I wouldn't be advocating Ireland's membership of NATO, we've seen a number of neutral states who are now directly impacted by this emerging threat have joined NATO um, and are preparing a collective defence. And when you look at it on paper, there's absolutely no doubt that notwithstanding the weaknesses and flaws within NATO and and European Union's capacity for collective defence, there are sufficient resources in Europe to see off any Russian attack. Even even if there's some sort of a deal in Ukraine and the Russians get an opportunity to spend five or six years regrouping, learning from the combat experience, and even if then they were to begin some sort of an offensive on, on one of the NATO borders, uh, the, NATO has the capacity to more than, more than push them back. But unfortunately, um, we will probably see in Europe a return to kind of Cold War Defense spending, yes. and I think you know, like Germany alone has pledged eight billion, has, has given eight billion in aid um, to the Ukrainian military because they know it, it, it. It's beginning to look like something that could encroach on their borders. So it'll be expensive. It'll bring us back to that Cold War era of military expenditure and concentration of forces. But I, I still think that one of the strategic mistakes that Putin made was to overplay his hand in Ukraine and the the Russian military are by no means the Red Army that we would all have uh, feared in the past and I think the Baltic states and our, the, the former members of the Warsaw Pact will be well able to contain that threat. It's just yeah. a depressing thing to see this happen in the 21st century, you know, you know, we'd hoped that we'd hoped in the nineties and early nineties that you know there would be a much better, more prosperous well, relationship. Yeah. There was a book published in nineteen ninety two by an American political scientist, Francis Fouquier. Uh, it was called "The End of History: The Last yeah. Man," and it, it proclaimed the triumph of liberal democracy over. That this was after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, it pronounced the triumph of liberal democracy over totalitarianism. It looks rather sad now. Well, it <laughs> looks like the end of history has been replaced with the sequel. History yeah. repeats itself, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. Just let me ask you a question as a soldier, a former soldier, that you may have a view on or may have some significance. Zelensky, President Zelensky, announced that he was dismissing Ukraine's top commander, General Valery Zaluny, in the biggest military shakeup since the start of the invasion two years ago. Now, this general was extremely popular with the people. What do you think happened there? Have you got a view on that, Tom? Yeah, so the, the nuance is interesting. So uh, General Zaluzhny 
has been rotated in in terms of he's been he's been taken out of the the main appointment to to in order for him to rest. Um, he hasn't been. That's what, that's what he used to say to me at Millwall when I wasn't getting the game. <laughs> yeah. So and he's been replaced by Colonel General Alexander Sierski, and Sierski is an interesting choice because he was the general who oversaw that um, very dramatic defence of Kiev, where right. against the odds they dislodged Russian special forces from the airport and denied yes. Russian um, air assets and, and aviation access to the airport. And then they absolutely, totally outmaneuvered and outflanked the big armoured column that was on its way down to decapitate the regime. And the same Alexander Sirisky was responsible for the lightning attacks in Kharkiv in September and October that liberated huge areas from, from the Russians. So he's regarded as, as a kind of a hardliner. He's, he's regarded as being more sort of brutal than Zaluzhny, less right. concerned with casualties and so on. But interesting, and, and they've also replaced uh, almost all of the general staff. So they put in a guy called Alexander Pavluk as commander of ground forces and the joint forces commander, uh, General Yuri Sodol. And these are all people who are associated with some of the the breakthroughs and victories yes. of the earlier part of the war. Right. So it's part of a general reboot and reorganization and try and galvanize support. They ha- he has also sacked, Zelensky has also sacked most of the regional conscription officers throughout Ukraine and has appointed new ones. And they're really now beginning a recruitment, conscription, whatever you want to call it, uh, mobilization phase that I think many Ukrainians are uneasy with. But it, interestingly, one of the first acts of this new uh, Colonel General Syrisky was to order the, uh, it was a tactical withdrawal from Avdivka. So uh, in many of the Ukrainian um, victories, the, the Russians didn't withdraw. Their, their forces just collapsed in the field. And yes. they were either routed or captured. Um, but what happened in Av- Avdivka was a tactical withdrawal. It was uh, organized right. in order to take troops out and, and regroup. And I'm assuming there will be a counterattack. But most of that depends on resupply of ammunition. And that has to happen in earnest. I mean, I really don't think in the United States that as a talking point, support for Putin is... Um, sustainable it's it's especially you know what's happened but of course the 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 parallel development is russia's principal military ally iran is helping to orchestrate yes um you know further pressure in the united states in the middle east you know they've got two aircraft carrier groups deployed to the eastern mediterranean to support the israelis they've even deployed a marine expeditionary force an MEF, um, presumably, because if if Hezbollah in Lebanon follow on their threats and actually begin a campaign against um, the Israeli military, the Israelis will have a two front war, yes, and the and and the United States will have to go in boots on the ground um, to to support their Israeli ally. So, you know, Putin will be delighted with these developments um, because it. It allows him yes, of to, to put further pressure on on Zelensky. 
Okay, Tom, we're very, very grateful to you indeed uh, for joining us today. It's, uh, as I say, it's been a fascinating two years, and to some extent, what's happening in Gaza and what the Israelis are doing there has overshadowed uh, Ukraine and the Russian business in recent months. But thank you very much indeed for joining us. That's Tom Clonan. Tom is one of our most greatest citizens, really, in many ways, for all kinds of reasons. And uh, we're very grateful to Tom, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.